I'm Taffer. And I'm Bailey. Welcome to Yeah, a show where we talk about young adult lit and what it can teach us at any age. This is our book club and you're invited. Yeah! We'd like to take the time to acknowledge that the studio where we record is situated within the traditional and unsurrendered territories of the Ganyangahaga First Nations. As settlers, it's important that we remember that the lands we occupy are not our own and that we engage in conversations that challenge the colonial mindset. We encourage you to take some time today and every day to reflect on your relationship with the land you live on and the indigenous communities of that area. It's March! Uh, it, it is. is. This episode. Well, well it, it's almost. We're time traveling to we're, March. We're time traveling to March. This episode is coming out on March 2nd, which is the day before a very important day. An extremely important day. Being. It is my birthday yes. on the 3rd. So <laughs> oh, you might want to think about what you're getting me, um, mm-hmm. folks. <laughs> Patreon your, subscription. Your favorite uh, podcast host's birthday. <laughs> No offense, Billy. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, your favorite podcast producer's birthday. Um, <laughs> no, you can be your, their favorite host. I'll give you that. <laughs> now, for the month of March, uh, we are reading graphic novels. Uh, I think we haven't done just a graphic novel month before. We've done no, graphic we... novels. Did we do a full one? No, we've done a couple graphic novels, like here or there, but yeah. we have not ever done like spent a chunk of time just on graphic novels and we haven't done that many graphic novels we've done like one or two yeah we've done a couple but not many at all Mm -hmm. so we're really excited um because there's a lot of great ya graphic novel content uh this is something Mm -hmm. that eunice really has been like heading up since uh, joining the show and we're really thankful for that at least i am Mm-hmm. Um, so this week we're starting it off with, uh, it's not a ship girl book, but it's close. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I did choose it for my birthday week, <laughs> uh, accordingly. So this week we're reading The Girl from the Sea by Molly Knox Ostertag. Molly Knox Ostertag wrote another graphic novel that everybody knows about, The Witch Boy, uh, which I believe is more middle grade. Um, but mm. this one is solidly young adults. It's definitely teenagers. And it is about a girl who lives on an island in Nova Scotia uh, and has a romance with a selkie who teaches her a lot about herself and about love and about the world. It's a quick book. I mean, it's a brief book. I read it in probably an hour or two, but it really packs a lot into a a short little story that is really maybe like covers a week which is kind of fun because we've just done a bunch of like school year books that cover like an extended period of time and this one is really just the story of a few days and a few people i found it really really beautiful what did what did you think of it yeah i really enjoyed it there was like a few points at like towards the beginning that i was or like towards the kind of the middle where it was like oh like i feel like this is like going by like so quickly and like Things aren't, like, maybe being, like, developed enough. But then it was, like, it all kind of came together. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it's a really, like, beautiful little 
little story and it does pack a lot in like a lot of themes of like self-discovery and stuff and like there's there's some really interesting like friendship dynamics that get explored and there's a very cute little love story and some fun selkie stuff some family stuff it is really like interesting to see like there are a lot of ways in which this is a very like classic YA novel type of story Mm -hmm. um and it's interesting to like read it in another medium like I know both neither of us read a lot of graphic novels so it's like a medium that both of us are not the most familiar with it's interesting because I used to say like I don't really read graphic novels they're like not really my thing I can't really get into it and um lately like I have been finding that is just not the case anymore I'm enjoying them so much uh And it's really just been reading them like for the show that they've been like sucking me in and really getting me. Um, This one especially, I find the art is, I mean, it's a graphic novel. The art is so important. But there's something about Kelty's physicality when she's in her human form that that feels um, Mm seal-like in a way that just really really I think like helps the story like she has these little freckles that look like seal spots and she has the big shiny eyes and um like even just her posture is very like she kind of has that little like legs together tummy out stance um yeah that feels very seal like in a way that I just appreciate so much and there's such a contrast between her and Morgan uh physically that the the images really really mm-hmm. um, show where like Morgan is very kind of narrow and tight and pulled together all the time, and Kelty is always kind of a little loose and chaotic and uh, sweet looking, you know. Yeah, I I really liked um, just speaking of this. I like in graphic novels, and this one has a little section of this where they have like the little like extras at the end, where there's like sketches of the character yeah. development and stuff. I think that's really fun, and we don't. There's nothing like analogous to that with text novels really ever. Yeah, but like I really, it's it's fun getting to like see how the characters develop, and also like yeah, being again like both of us are artists and so I think like it's it's really cool to see how like you get all the like character development is like done partially like visually that like otherwise you would get through like exposition or like more dialogue or like internal dialogue um and like the visuals do so much of that work and it's very it's very well done in this book and it's very interesting Mm mm-hmm Mm-hmm. And I think it's one of the reasons that graphic novels can be as short as they are, because you have so much more information on every page than you get with with j- description. Yeah. What's that saying again? The picture is worth... picture is worth uh, <laughs> some words. <laughs> Thank you. So, all right. Cutting all the merits of art to the side... Uh, I love a Selkie myth. Did you ever watch The Secret of Roninish? No, I I don't think I've watched that. I have seen um, The Song of the Sea. Yes. Which is a very beautiful Selkie film. So The Secret of Roninish is an old movie. I think it's probably early 90s and I think it's Irish. Uh, Like, I think it's actually made in Ireland. It's set in Ireland as well. And it Mm -hmm. is, I'm trying to remember plot because I watched it quite young. But it is, 
you know a story of a young girl living in a village in Ireland and there are selkies. Selkies are like an important part of the Mm storyline. And I watched this a lot when I was little. Um, It's really beautiful and really evocative. And I have not watched it in probably at least 20 years. So I don't remember any of the like (laughs) plot. (laughs) but it made a really big impact on me and then I saw the song of the sea when it came out and it sort of revitalized that interest um the selkie myth of course a selkie is a man or woman upon the land or person I'm sure there are non-binary selkies um and a seal in the sea and if you steal the seal skin of a selkie they're bound to you for life um, so Kelty is a Selkie, pretty traditional take on the Selkie myth, uh, except that she is the only one of her kind. Like in this mythology, there's only one Selkie per generation. And mm-hmm. she has a role. Her role is to be the guardian of the of the waters that she lives in. Mm-hmm. Which is nice. I liked that. I thought that was fun. Yeah, I see, I'm like I came into this with very little prior, like, Selkie mythology knowledge. Mm. Like, I've seen Song of the Sea, and that's basically it. So I, like, didn't know that much about Selkie mythology. Um, So it's interesting to have your take on, like, what what has been introduced or, like, expanded on it. But, yeah, it's she has this role as the guardian of the sea. I also don't know if this is a normal part of Selkie mythology, but it seems like she only has, like the chance to take on human form once every seven years which is also part of it that did which is cool that i think is specific to this book uh but was also yeah very fun Mm -hmm. yeah but it's uh so it's it's really cool because there's also yeah there's this also there's this kind of environmental angle and then there's the angle of sort of both her and morgan have kind of secrets that they need to reveal and they have their own motivations and they need to figure out how to kind of reconcile those with each other um it's really it's very good it's a complicated little story it's a complicated little story and the thing that i really love about it is that it it's a love story that's very generous like Mm -hmm. the way they fall for each other the way their story kind of pans out each of them has their own storyline that is about them and about Mm -hmm. their role in life and about them coming of age. And the romance is really there to help them do that. And I really love that they're there for each other to sort of push each other on and help each other out through this period. And at the end, there's what I find a really satisfying ending for a young adult novel where there's still a lot of love, there's still a lot of affection, but there's no expectation that they're going to be like monogamous together bound. forever. Yeah, exactly. Like they're yeah, and they're just they're just sort of ma- able to move forward and wish each other the best and sort of maintain this connection of I like you so much, I love you so much, but we each have our own roles in life. Yeah, and we're being, like, taken in different directions. Yeah. We talk about that a lot on this show when we're reading romances of, like, do we think, like, how long do we think this relationship is going to last? Yeah. (laughs) Kind of thing. And, like, and I think part of that is because, like, a lot of 
I mean, a lot of teens go into life like with this per- sort of perspective, and I think a lot of young adult novels kind of take on this perspective of like this is like the grand big love story. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it is very cool that this one's like, yeah, the their love was very important and very formative, and they played a really important role in each other's lives. Um, and the fact that they, it's not necessarily going to be, like you said, this like long-term monogamous love doesn't discount any of that or make the love story less poignant and less lovely mm-hmm. and i think that um as i am in my dotage coming into this my 32nd year i'm such a sucker now for stories that kind of leave that affection open-ended and and leave possibility to revisit it you know like mm. because when there is a book that ends with them I don't know, waltzing off to college together, a happy couple. I'm just kind of like, okay, well, that's going to last till spring break. Um, and then they're probably going to fall out in a really like unpleasant way and, and not speak to each other ever again. And I'm such a sucker for a narrative where I'm like, yeah, they're going to go. They're going to grow. They're going to stay connected. They're going to get back in touch. And you get kind of a, I don't want to give too much of the ending away, but you get kind Mm -hmm. of a preview of what their relationship could look like in the book. Yeah. And there's something really nice. So like, there's something just so nice about this idea of a relationship that that might renew itself every seven years, right? Like it has the potential Mm -hmm. uh, to be something exciting and new. And, you know, I can imagine them meeting again in their late 20s when they're kind of going through more personal mm-hmm. turmoil <laughs> or mid-20s yeah. I guess and 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 having mm-hmm. that be another connection that still helps them and, and fosters them and keeps them going um also obviously yeah. it's gay I like that yes it's gay it's very gay it's gay good um and that's I mean that's also a big part of Morgan's storyline mm-hmm. um and part of it, but I just want to go um, back to the the what we were talking about the potential for the reconnection, but also earlier you're talking about it being generous, and I do really love that because there's this there's this there is this potential that's held for for them to continue to be important in each other's lives and to reconnect, but there's also very explicitly that it's not a like wait for me for seven years kind of thing. Like I think it's like there's that generous quality of like you know like i I will i hope to see you again in seven years but don't like put your life on hold until then Mm -hmm. um and i think that that's also really beautiful and good yeah especially with kelty being really tied to the place and morgan Mm -hmm. kind of wanting to get out um there's the not this like stay on this island and grow old for me right and i I really like that, especially, you know, as I am a a connoisseur of tales of maritime life. um, (laughs) There's such a theme in sea shanties and sea stories and and tales of the sea of the woman waiting for her lover who's gone to sea or the Mm -hmm. unfaithful lover who couldn't wait while her lover was seven years at sea. I, I think about um, The House Carpenter, which is a folk song that Joan Baez made made popular and uh, Counting Crows has a great cover of. That is all about, like, I went to sea and I came back and you're married. 
like, what the heck. And it's nice to see this sort of what if a maritime story, but not that. You know, what could it be if we were all a little a little more flexible with each other and a little more gentle and accepted that love can be really big. You know, and that love can be changeable. Like that, I think, is the potential that I really love there. Of <laughs> So I'm watching Seinfeld right now for the first time. I've never watched Seinfeld before. And it's such an interesting little slice of like 90s culture. Mm -hmm. And um, <laughs> where am I going with this? <laughs> I don't know, but I look forward to finding it. So Seinfeld is all, like, so much of Seinfeld is relationships and breakups. Um, yes. All of them straight. Uh, and of course, just a lot of kind of exes rolling through. And but then there's also, like, Jerry and Elaine, who are exes, who are basically best friends. And I mean, we'll see where the show is going. Like, I would believe that they end up together. But I think where I'm going with this is I've been thinking a lot about how, like, the relationship culture when we were kids and young adults was very much, like, it's when Harry met Sally, right? It's once you date somebody, you can never really be friends again. Mm -hmm. Sort of there's this progressive impulse with relationships where you can be friends and then lovers, but you can't be lovers and then friends. Mm -hmm. And this is, like, obviously, patently, well-documentedly untrue. People break up and become better friends or stay friends or drop out of touch for a little bit and then reconnect and become friends all the time. But, and, like, I think that's where kind of the Seinfeld connection for me is, is I'm like, oh, Harry, when Harry Met Sally was happening at the same time as, like, Jerry and Elaine are being buddies who are exes. Interesting. <laughs> and what I am saying here on this tangent is that um, I like that we're reimagining what love can be. And I don't mm -hmm. necessarily mean that just in a, like, polyamory versus monogamy thing that's not really where I'm going here it's more that like love is very big and love is very multifaceted and love can sort of ebb and flow and turn into different things and mm -hmm. just because you don't end up I don't know married at 23 doesn't mean you don't really love each other just because you don't stay a couple forever doesn't mean that love isn't real and and healthy and valuable and ultimately if it is fostering your relationship with yourself and if it is spurring you on to be a better person then it's valuable you know mm -hmm. and that's absolutely cool. i like that yeah it is it is really lovely it's a good i think it's a good message for us to be putting out there yeah i don't know why um, i had to bring seinfeld into it <laughs> That's what was available to you. I wanna I really I wanna pick up on a on a theme that you were making me think of with this, mm -hmm. which is we're talking about how sort of like their love is very like generous and flexible and robust kind of in the robust, end. Robust Yes. I love that word. I, <laughs> thank you. And I think that a big theme in this book actually is like discovering that relationships can be bigger and more flexible and more resilient than you think they will be mm -hmm. um 
And I really like that. So one of the central, Morgan's central conflict essentially is that she is gay and she knows that she's gay. And we don't even like really get a sense that like she has a reason to believe her friends or her family are going to be homophobic, but she is extremely afraid of trying to be who she is in the place where she is. Mm-hmm. And so her whole, like, she has a very mapped out life plan, and it is graduate high school, get into college somewhere away, and then come out, be gay, yeah. live her life. And, and, and it is very sort of fixed for her that this is the order that it has to be. And, you know, she has this really tight group of friends, and she has uh, her family that she has close ties with, Um but she doesn't feel like she can like she feels like those relationships kind of have a limit and the mm-hmm. limit is like her not being her entire self mm-hmm. and she ultimately well with her family at least she ultimately doesn't get to choose whether to come out because the information yeah. is revealed but she learns through that process not that it is never okay to out somebody just reminder yeah um, <laughs> But she she discovers sort of a bigger and more flexible love, I think, from her family than she anticipated. Um, and then she's able to use that knowledge to do what she hadn't been planning on doing, really, which was coming out to her friends. Yeah. Um, and sort of in in doing so, like, finds a more flexible and more i think open and generous love from her friends than she was expecting yeah um and offers that to them as well and i just i really like that absolutely and i like how you pointed out that like she doesn't really have a clear reason for not wanting to come out i feel like a big part of her reason for not wanting to come out is just that it's one more damn thing You know? Yeah. Which is something I can really relate to. Like, I feel like she's in a situation where she has, um, her parents have recently split up and her dad moved away. Like, her dad is living in Toronto and they're in Nova Scotia. He's far away. And Mm -hmm. her brother is not having a great time of it and is taking up, you know, a lot of her mom's attention. And I think she just really doesn't want to cause any trouble, you know? She doesn't want to cause any fuss until she's far away and doesn't have to see it, you know? Mm-hmm. And, like, can really kind of control that. And I get it. Like, that is sometimes our fear around asking for what we want or being who we are isn't something sort of big and dramatic. It's just that it's kind of scary and overwhelming. Yeah, to no, like absolutely. ask for people's attention and ask for people's affirmation. Yeah, I do get the sense that there's also this, there's a little bit of kind of a, maybe an insecurity or like a self-doubt of like being a little bit worried that her, the people in her life won't want to, not that they will be like hateful or anything, but that they won't want to try to understand her. Yeah. Um, and she, she, like, a big part of this centers around, like, this is something that makes her different from her family and friends. And I think that, um, I think that there's this part of her that's, like, holding on to it because she doesn't want to experience the hurt of them not wanting to understand her difference or that driving a rift between them. 
Um, and that's, I mean, that's super relatable, like not talking about something that's like really important because you're like worried that it could cause problems, but then by not talking about it, you cause problems. Yeah. Uh. (laughs) Yeah. There's definitely like something to be said for like problems that you quote unquote make up in your head are still problems. Yeah. Because they speak to what your deep fears are Mm -hmm. and like. Yeah, Morgan is just afraid that people will reject her and she would rather run away from them before they get the chance. Um, Yeah. And something I really like is that, like, towards the end, like, after she comes out to her friends, one of them is really upset with her for not telling her, right? Like, Mm -hmm. she sees that her hiding the truth out of fear actually end up hurting someone she cares about. Which is not to say, like, anybody should, like, feel the need to come out to their friends because otherwise they're being a bad friend or anything that is not what i'm saying you come out when you feel safe Mm -hmm. to come out or you never come out at all it doesn't make you any less valid as a queer person but i think like there really can be this i feel like we've talked about this before but like this tendency to be like i am just gonna pull all my tendrils of need inside my body and Mm -hmm. never let anybody know that i have needs and if nobody ever knows that i have needs they will never see me as a bother and everything will be good and I will not burden anybody and um like when her friend is like hey it hurts me that you didn't trust me I feel like there's kind of this reframing Mm -hmm. because like friendship is a two-way thing and you do kind of need to be open and vulnerable for that relationship to develop right yeah exactly Um, and and it's nice to see that um because i am turning 31 years old and i still have to learn that lesson continuously (laughs) it's it's the hardest lesson but it's it is it's a really i hadn't thought of it that way specifically but it's a really beautiful illustration of that yeah idea that yeah like we're so afraid we can be so afraid of having needs and being a burden that we forget that like by allowing ourselves to be in relationships of like mutual need and care is like the fundamental of how we build relationships Mm -hmm. like caring for the people we're in relationship and allowing them to care for us is like the whole thing yeah it is (laughs) it is um yeah just a lot a lot to learn about love like i said a lot packed into this book uh, now, you wanted mm-hmm. to talk, I know you mentioned before, you wanted to talk about um, Morgan's mom. Oh, it's just like, I mean, she she's not even like that huge of a character, but she's just, she's great. And I like her a lot. Um, and I feel like she does a good job of being like awkward but supportive. And I mean, especially like the, the moment that I like adored and I'm not going to. I'm not going to, like, <laughs> describe it exactly, because if you haven't read the book, it's great. Um, but the way that she reacts to... So Morgan gets outed and, like, in front of her family and then runs away immediately. Yeah. Um, and the way that her mother, like, sort of approaches the aftermath of that is very good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, it's a little bit silly, it's a little bit awkward, but it's also, like, clearly, like, this mom knows her kid well and, like, Mm -hmm. knows how to, like, show up and be supportive and diffuse that tension. And, like, it's just, it's just very good. (laughs) Yeah. 
And you I don't feel- know if you have any other comments on the mom. But. Not really. I mean, I agree. She's she's great. She is. Uh, I feel a lot of compassion for her <laughs> um, mm-hmm. as a single mom with two teenagers who is sort of suddenly and it seems maybe abruptly single. Yeah, she's. I like her, and um, I like this like. I feel like there's this thing that happens sometimes with parenting when you, like, think that you have made something obvious to your children and suddenly realize you have not. And I feel like that is the moment, like, when she's talking with Morgan about, like, why didn't you come out of just, like, I really thought that I had made it clear that, like, I don't mm-hmm. care who who you love, you know, <laughs> But, like, I'm sorry yeah. if that wasn't clear. Um, I just, mm-hmm. that's so nice. That, like, kind of anticlimactic, like, no, of course it's fine. Like, I love you. You are who you are. One other thing is Morgan is an artist. Like, she's a fashion designer um, or mm-hmm. an aspiring fashion designer. She really cares about clothes and fashion. And I felt like she was an artistic character portrayed in a way we don't often see artistic characters portrayed. Mm, expand like I feel like often when we see artist characters they're a little chaotic they're like a little more kelty energy right like there's yeah. like definitely this stereotype of like um Claudia from babysitters club right you're, that's exactly who I had in my head when you were just yeah. <laughs> so you're like another kind of lost in yourself kind of floaty really artistic really empathetic you pick up on people's feelings you're maybe not the most organized and Morgan mm-hmm. is like Capricorn vibes Morgan is like controlling wants to be able to control every detail of her life wants to be able to control every detail of her image um wants to be able to like schedule and predict everything about her life and gets very uncomfortable when anything disrupts that Mm -hmm. and I just really appreciated seeing that like that was a fun little stereotype bust yeah no it's very cool and like the way that we see her like individuality and self-expression in like quiet ways like all of her Mm -hmm. clothing choices are like very carefully considered and very like curated and beautiful and um yeah so we see it in these like yeah these quiet ways rather than like the kind of typical loud ways you might expect yeah exactly it's good it's good Good observation this is a it's a really beautiful book it's very sweet uh it's quick to read um and i recommend it Mm -hmm. and it makes me miss nova scotia i have wanted to be back there for a very long time that makes it sound like i used to live there i did not but i visited and i nearly moved there at one point and i think about that often it is it is fun that this is set in like the maritimes um because i was like i had no idea where it was supposed to be set until someone mentioned halifax and it was like oh fun yeah yeah Yeah, it's fun to see a Canadian book. I think I didn't realize Mm -hmm. that it was a Canadian book before I was reading it. And then I was like, oh, yeah, Mm -hmm. that's fun. And it's beautiful. Like the the, uh, illustration of the little like seaside town is really pretty. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the characters are done really well. Like there's a lot of real like heart that goes into the the characters. Yeah. This is The Girl from the Sea by Molly Knox Ostertag. It's really lovely, and uh, I think that you should get your hands on it and read it. Indeed. (laughs) Thanks for listening to Yeah! 
If you want to leave feedback, suggest a book for us to read, or just say hi, send us an email at theyapodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter or Instagram at yapodcast, and individually, I'm at thebailsasaurus. And I'm at tefferbear. If you like the show and want to help us make it even better, consider supporting us on Patreon. It's my birthday. Support us on Patreon. You can get yeah, all kinds happy of Happy birthday, Tepper. <laughs> you can get all kinds of great perks, including early access to bonus content, shoutouts, guest appearances, and more. Head to patreon.com slash yapodcast to donate. Shout out to our patrons Catherine Reshi, Kat McGuire, Lizzie Tenhove, Chantal Thomas, Erica Stutchberry, Megan Jane, and Annette Cameron. We have merch. Hit the merch link in the description of this episode to get some from the fine folks over at Tee Public. You can also support us for free by leaving a rating and review on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts, by subscribing to Spotify, and by sharing this episode with a friend. A special thanks to Great Bear for letting us use their song Jenny's Groove as our theme music. You can find their music for sale at greatbearmusic.bandcamp.com. This episode was produced by me, Tefra Jemian, and edited by Tom Zalatni as part of the Upford Network. You can find out about all the great shows on our network at upfordnetwork.com. Hello, my name is Stefan, and I am the host of a show called Some Good Friends, and it's a podcast, and it will make you laugh, and we talk to some of my good friends, and they're crazy and hilarious and wacky, and you're going to love them just as much as I do. Currently, while I'm recording this, I forgot to mute all my other takes, so I'm hearing myself say different words in my ears. The show comes out every Monday, weekly. Dungeons. Dragons. Canada. The multiverse theory. Corgis. Queer representation. Reconciliation. Angels. Demons. Squirrels. Moose. Moose and squirrels. Sorcerers. Dinosaurs. Forests. Giants. Rogues. Warlocks. Plains. Sewers. Lavender. Natural Toonie. A Canadian Dungeons and Dragons podcast. Right here on the Upford Network. (laughs) Ah, 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 ah.